Aloha, and welcome to the show. The 692nd Podcast is a platform for developing and connecting with our airmen across the island and those now serving on the mainland. Tune in for episodes where we talk all things leadership and personal development while getting a glimpse into the lives of the people moving our missions forward. I'm your host, Master Sergeant Derek Addison, and this is the 692nd Podcast. Welcome Knights, Tigers, Hawks, Warriors, and Krakens. Our next airman deserving of the group's bragging comes from the 392nd Intelligence Squadron Commander Support Staff. A1C Borgonia is one of the silent champions that makes sure all the administrative tasks are done behind the scenes so that the rest of us can focus on the mission. Always smiling and willing to help when customers come in, she thrives in a customer service role and is passionate about helping others. As you will hear in the interview, we recorded on her one-year anniversary in the Air Force, so next time you go through the CSS in 1073, Please ensure you congratulate her on the first year of a long career ahead. As you will hear, though, the year anniversary isn't the only thing you will need to congratulate her on. You'll understand after you listen to the episode. Please enjoy this conversation with A1C Libby Borgonia. So welcome. I'm here with, is it Labricia? Yes, sir. All right. You have a really long name. It's very, very long. Labricia Carmencita. Is it Borgonia or Borgonia? Borgonia. Mm-hmm. So it's not a, it's not a ja sound. <laughs> sir. All right, Borgonia, and you go by Libby. Yes, sir. Thank you. <laughs> uh, and what's your hometown? Uh, Port Orchard, Washington. Port Orchard, Orchard. Port. Port Orchard. I can't even speak English now. <laughs> Port Orchard. Um, it's kind of by. It's across the water from Seattle. Okay. Mm-hmm. I know there's a there's a lot of ports over there, uh, obviously because of all the water, um, and the Navy's got a big presence over there. Yes. Were you a Navy brat? Uh, no, I was not. Okay. My dad was in the Army though. Okay. Mm-hmm. And did he get stationed in Washington, and that was where you settled? Yes. Okay. So he was at Fort Drum. Think so. I don't know what's over there. Fort McCord. Um, McCord. Okay. McCord. That's a joint base, right? Yes. Yeah. Sir. Okay. All right. And you are married. Yes, sir. And your husband is in the military or not? Yes, he is in the Navy. He's in the Navy. Mm-hmm. Did you meet him here? No, I okay. met him back in Washington. Okay. All right. So there is some Navy ties. <laughs> uh, and his name is Christian. Christian. Yes, sir. All right. Yeah. Do you have any children? Um, I'm actually uh, expecting. In September. That's great. In September. Yes. Do you want more children, or are you going to see how it goes after the first? Um, I definitely want more children, but we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> uh, initially, when me and my wife got married, I was telling her that I want 12 children. I want, like, a whole a whole band of, like, ninjas. <laughs> then we had one, and I was like, you know, I'm, ra- I'm actually good with one. And she's like, what? And I was like, yeah. And then, of course, we decided to have a couple more, so... Yeah, I would. I recommend having one. See how you like it. It's too late at that point, but still. <laughs> yeah, kids are kids are amazing. Uh, so you're you're due in September. Um, and how long have you been married? Um, for about actually my first 
year anniversary came up in November. Okay. Mm-hmm. Did you get to do anything? Uh, we went to Michelle's, the restaurant in All right. Waikiki. That's good. I surprised him with it. So That's good. Mm-hmm. I know uh, we didn't get to do anything, obviously, me and my wife, due to COVID mm-hmm. and uh, our anniversaries in July. So, uh, And it was half, you know, everyone's getting locked down. You know, maybe it's going to open back up. It was back and forth at that point. So we didn't really get to do anything, which uh, is fine, you know, this, you know, I guess today, but... As the as the vaccines come out and, and as things open back up, I, I hope we get to make up for some of that lost time. So your AFSC is a three Foxtrot 531. Yes, sir. What does that mean? So I um, am an admin. Okay. So I just kind of work on computers to do paperwork. Mm-hmm. Um, I work in the CSS, so I um, support like the commander and I help route things up to her. And I work on, like, evals as well. Okay. Um, it's just a lot of paperwork and everything. But I like my job. I love it. I love um, everyone that I work with. They're very supportive, and I like it. Yeah. So I know a lot of people, especially in an intelligence group uh, and wing, they probably don't understand all the different jobs that are kind of entailed into what a commander support staff mm-hmm. is. I believe a couple years ago when me and another tech sergeant, we headed up this team called Team Galahad. It had to have a cool acronym name, otherwise it didn't it didn't go forward. So we didn't pick Galahad, but we, we made it into an acronym, a backronym, and then went with it. But in Team Galahad, we looked at all the different programs of a CSS and see try to see what type of data that comes in that you guys need to kind of facilitate all of your programs. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, you know, basics, first, middle, last, social, AFSC, what their skill level is. Obviously, it's part of their AFSC, but whether it's control AFSC or primary AFSC, things like that. And it was really kind of shocking to me, even though I was a tech and I had been in for a little while, I did not know that the CSS can have up to 65 different unique tasks slash like jobs. Mm-hmm. I've never realized how much that a CSS could be doing, uh, whether they whether I think they're doing it or not. <laughs> it's uh, it's very impressive. Uh, I would hate to see your CDCs mm-hmm. or your SKT on uh, WAPS testing. I don't know. They'd have to just pick a question from each task or program. Let me start with why you're here. So this this kind of episode of the podcast is called Bragging on My Airmen. Mm-hmm. And so you've been called out by your peers or leadership or both for being awesome. We're just going to have a sit-down conversation to kind of find out what makes you awesome, both personally and professionally, and everything that you do for your unit, but mm-hmm. also as the group for the group as a whole. I know that recently in... You're in the 392nd? Yes, sir. I, I know that recently in the 392nd, there's a lot of leadership change that's been going on in the CSS. Yes, sir. Specifically, I know that you've lost a few personnelists up to site and PCSs. Your boss said that specifically you stepped up to make sure that all that flight leadership transition went really well and that you're also the primary for the intro program. Mm-hmm. So all the sponsorship and things like that. Some people have really good experiences. Some people, not so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can give you an example of both just in my career. But what stood out, I think, to me was 
the ideas of gift baskets? Yes, sir. So what do you do? Explain the gift basket. So for our gift baskets, um, it's kind of a little um, baggie with like two waters, chocolates, like the Hawaiian chocolates. Um, and then we have like stuff from the art program, a map, and some information about our squadron and everything that if they could have questions about it. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of like a welcome to Hawaii. If you have any questions, feel free to like contact us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 390 Seconds is a very unique squadron in the fact that you are extremely separated from everyone in the squadron. You guys are, or, you know, the personnel in 390 are spread across seven different locations. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's obviously, and, and that's across the island. So does your map say like, hey, this is one of the seven places you could be working? Sadly, no. It's just more of the base. Okay. Um, for more of like the incoming airmen, I'll be on the dorm in the dorms. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll help them get a familiar with the base in general. So. Yeah, quickest way to work. Mm-hmm. Things like that. Yeah, I mean, obviously that's important for the base. Whenever you know, as you're in processing, knowing where knowing where hangar two is and things like that for the MPS, knowing where the med groups at and all that type of stuff for all the in processing. I'm assuming they don't do the the newcomers briefing at the community center anymore? No, because of COVID, we do it over WebEx now. Okay. Mm -hmm. And the group does a group-wide newcomers briefing as well every quarter, correct? Yes, sir. And do you participate in that, or is someone else in your squadron doing that? Um, someone else in my squadron. I know last time I I joined in on it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more of just me clicking the slides and stuff. Anything that could help out the squadron, I will definitely do. Cool. When we talk about EPRs and evaluations, not just EPRs, I guess OPRs as well, currently all of the enlisted have the SCOD. Mm-hmm. What does the S stand for? Static. Static. Oh, yes. my God. <laughs> that was rough. Closeout dates. So I'm going to delete all that out of there. <laughs> so all of the enlisted have static closeout dates now, the SCODs. Prior to those SCOD uh, closeouts, everyone has to make sure that all their records are up to date, mm-hmm. at least to the best of their ability. You, as a CSS, have a, a role in that. What yes. do you do for people's Maybe there's mil PDS updates. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty new, but every month or so, uh, we ask for a alpha roster for each flight, whether it's just for new supervisors, new jobs, anything that they need updates in mil PDS. Mm-hmm. And then we'll update that. And then when the accounting date comes up, we'll send out the VPC sites. So I'll go in, save the shell report, and then send it out to the raiders or the flight chiefs. And then once the EPR is like comes to roll around, like they'll send it back, and then we'll review it. And then once it's ready to go, or if it has corrections, we'll do them, and then we'll send it up to the shirt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people don't under, don't know that as well that the CSS for the three ninety second is also the CSS for the group staff. So yes. the f- personnel that are in group staff are also added into the amount of work that you guys do at the CSS. Yes. For those mil PDS updates for the Scott, you're changing. Probably flight information, supervisor information, duty position or duty title. Are you updating anything else? The date of supervision start and all of that type of stuff? So whenever we change the new supervisors Mm -hmm. or a new duty title, we always have to ask for the effective date. So Mm -hmm. for like EPRs and stuff, they'll know when the new supervision began. Right. So the dates are, the number of supervision is correct. Okay. 
Yeah, so it says here, just for the previous few months, that obviously we've had airman EPRs that close out March 31st, mm-hmm. staff sergeant that closed out, or that will close out in a couple of days, January 31st, yes. as today is January 28th when we're doing the interview. For the last few months that you've been doing these updates, your boss calculated to about 1,400 data points that you've had to update. Mm-hmm. Yeah, does it feel, feel accurate? Yes. Yes. And I'm sure that once you do a MilPDS update, I'm sure it takes every time and it, it just goes through the system because mm-hmm. MilPDS has no issues whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So you never have to duplicate work, right? Yes. Yeah, I didn't think so. Your boss also said that you are very, uh, let's say, self-motivated to learning different systems. Mm-hmm. So you had to learn CMS, case yes. management system. What is case management system? So it's... Um Mostly for routing, reenlistments and extensions, um, if you have any pay problems. Um, it's just for us to get it up to like MPF or if PC mm-hmm. is another way so we could keep in contact and know like the remarks and everything that we send up to them and they can send it right back to us. It's easier than just going in person because it's very back and forth. Right. It's just all digital. Yeah. I like it personally, but... I think it's a lot better, obviously, whenever I tried to do an extension here or I needed to extend or I needed to re-enlist. It was really simple because originally you'd always go to the MPS. Then you have to sit there for 30 minutes to an hour, depending on if they had a, you know, a person available for you or you make an appointment and you have to come back. And then you sit there and you explain all the different things and they go over your options. Sometimes they are not the most accurate with their information. I do know uh, one instance where... Uh, I almost was removed from the Air Force because I didn't re-enlist in time. And I was like, well, I was told I couldn't re-enlist. <laughs> um, so it was, that was a lot of fun. It's a lot easier. I think it's a lot better knowing that I have someone in my group uh, uh, that I can just go over to their desk and say, I'm confused. What do I need to do? Mm-hmm. Um, and someone can walk me through the process or uh, they have access to a you know, case management system who can that can send up emails or notifications to AFPC or MilPDS or wherever we need to, to make updates to. And what do you do for DROS management? Um, so I'm still learning on that one. Um, it's just kind of they send us um, everyone that's in like a certain time to see if they wanted to extend their DROS, if they wanted to keep it. Um, it's just kind of us sending out emails, notifying um, the member, and then them coming back to us like I'm gonna keep the same or I want to extend and then right. that goes into like CMS cases and it's a lot of work but yeah is there a different process if I let's say I wanted to extend versus I want to keep original DROS or I want to request an indefinite DROS is there anything is there more work that you have to do or is it just a different process um it's just another process so to say it's just different worksheets and different how do i say it different ways to go about it okay Um, like some of them you just need a signature and then we can route it up to the cms others you will probably need like the commander signature like for rips for like if coding or any of that so so your boss said that you took upon that yourself to learn all these different programs and different functions of an kind of a CSS, but also what we would historically or traditionally think of as the MPS. Mm -hmm. Is that something that we're going to kind of migrate to? Are we going to kind of reduce the amount of responsibilities for the MPS, or are they just going to be the overarching kind of guidance bearers and the squadron CSSs? I, I know that, you know, a few years back, 
Um, a lot of Air Force leadership said we're going to revitalize the squadrons. Mm-hmm. Um, I do remember when we took away CSSs and said, you don't need CSSs anymore. Everything's going to be done in the MPS. We are going away from that now because we realize that that's uh, got issues. Mm-hmm. Let's go with that. Um, to put it gently, I guess. Is that something, uh, in your opinion, you know, being in that in that role, do you feel like that's a squadron thing that we're taking back for for reason or maybe just something that uh, is just the way we're going now? Is there a reason behind it? Um, personally, I think that it's probably just something that um, we wanted to do to help more of the process to go faster. Because mm-hmm. I mean, I've only been in for a year. Actually, today is my one year oh, of being in the Air Force. Congratulations. Too. Thank you. January 28th. Got it. <laughs> um, but I feel like it's something to be faster on to help um, our own members and everything to get what that needs to be done. Yeah. Because probably, I'm not sure in the past, if it was a lot of waiting around. and There was. Uh, definitely. So it's probably a lot, a lot more faster on our end now to um, try to be a step um, to help them into the right way and yeah. to the right path. So. I think the revitalization of the squadron is important. I know that commanders appreciate it a lot more mm-hmm. because when we got rid of CSSs, having lieutenant colonels and full bird colonels go to the MPS and have to wait in line and things like that uh, because you never know what, what type of service you're going to receive depending on which base you're at and everything. And the leadership of that MPS is very important. Uh, and their manning levels, all those things definitely affect kind of the overall environment. Like I said, just a, a CSS, you know, with the responsibilities that it could take on from an MPS is up to 65 programs is a lot. Oh, yeah, and you have to deal with customers too, so which <laughs> is a lot, I understand. So don't worry, I'm not going to ask you any specifics. You don't have to call anyone out. <laughs> so is there anything that you want to say about the people you work with or obviously we can cut out everything that you say so <laughs> if you if you don't want to say anything nice that's fine too but is there something you said you you enjoy everyone you work with mm-hmm. and I believe that's extremely important because I could love my job but if I if I dread going to the office because of you know the people that I work with that's really going to affect my work and affect my mental health and everything else so but you said you enjoy everyone that you work with yes um it's nice because i mean i'm the only well besides like uh airman sosa and Mm -hmm. airman weller but they're kind of with the commander because they're the um executives and everything right so in the css it's kind of just me as an airman by myself and everyone else is like a sergeant and higher um so they're really nice and kind to help and guide me in any way possible and I'm forever like grateful for that and like the leadership in general they're genuine and they care about every airman like they're always coming to me asking how I am like how'd my weekend go like if I'm okay and it's it's nice because um before going to the military here like no one really cares like you're, it's going to be a complete 180 from what you were thinking and coming in I'm just thinking everyone's going to be mean no one's going to really care and I come to this base and everyone's just super nice and they're always wanting to teach me and I love learning from them. So I talked a little bit about on the last episode about how I I hope that every senior NCO and CGO and above wants to make sure that 
every person, airman or officer, doesn't matter, every, you know, big A airman that comes after us is given all the tools that we were never given or learns the things that we maybe had to learn a hard way or the hard way, depending on what it was. I hope that everyone has that type of mentality or thought process to improve the lives of those coming after us. You know, there are, there are always some, and I dealt with this Thankfully, you know, years ago, uh, we had a, a we had a master sergeant who was a flight chief, and we um, we brought up the issues of our schedule that we were working. Uh, his response was something along the lines of, "If they're not strong enough to be my Air Force, they need to get out." I don't agree with what he said at all, but the schedule at the time that we were dealing with was six days on, three days off, mm-hmm. which is actually really amazing because you always have a three day weekend. The issue was the first three days you worked six a.m. to two p.m., so eight hour shifts. Uh, But the next three days, you either worked 2 p.m. to 10 p.m. or 10 p.m. to 6 Mm a.m. And you had three days off. And then the three days after that, you will start at 6 a.m. If you did your first three days at 6 a.m. to 2 p.m. and your next three days were 10 p.m. to 6 a.m., you had to completely switch your, your sleep schedule within a day and a half, practically. And then after your third day of getting off work at 6 a.m., you had to adjust your entire sleep schedule within three days to go back to waking up and being ready to go work at 6 a.m. Mm-hmm. That schedule caused a lot of people to have mental health problems. Uh, there's a lot of people who went to ADAP because in order to get to bed, they had to drink to get to sleep. It was uh, destroying a lot of people's lives. So, uh, But he, he thought of it as they just need to earn their dues or, or I, don't, I don't know what he thought about it, actually. I, I never asked. And he, he didn't last long enough because after, I think, about seven months of that schedule, we, we didn't have enough people to run a mission, and we had to say no that we couldn't fly a mission. And that's very big deal. It was a very bad day for him. Um, I'm glad that you enjoy where you work, although I kind of question your motives now because you were afraid that people were going to be mean to you all the time, mm-hmm. but yet you still joined the military. Um, <laughs> so I wanted to travel. Okay. Um, and I wanted to do something new. Um, you know, growing up, my parents and family were always telling me to join the military, but then I like steered my way towards like basketball and school. Um, and then I kind of took a break and I, that's when they stopped telling me to join the military and I'll do anything that they won't tell me. Yeah. You know? growing up in that mentality so i joined the military and then it was debating on which branch to go to so i had a lot of friends and families that were in all sorts of branches there in navy army uh they're in coast guard yeah. uh, and air force and every single person has told me to go through the air force yeah so i mean even my husband told me to go through the air force too um so I joined and I was very nervous because everyone was like preparing me for like the worst. And I actually really liked it. I loved BMT. It wasn't bad at all. Yeah. Um, Tech school was nice. I mean, I got stuck there for a very long time um, due to orders. Okay. Um, And then I came here and I just love it. So there's worse places to be stuck, right? Yes. Coming coming (laughs) to Hawaii is is rough. I know. (laughs) I'm assuming that flying back home to Washington is probably pretty cheap for you. Um, for flying into Seattle, it's around like three hundred or so. Oh wow! It's not. It's not bad. I mean, it's like a five-hour flight. Yeah. Um, 
but it'd probably if like once COVID is all over and everything, it'd probably be like a planned, so it'd be a little bit cheaper. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Definitely made the right decision with the Air Force. My father was was Army, mm-hmm. and I do remember when I was in I don't know in my teens, he said if I ever join the military, make sure I don't join the Army, and I was like. But you did 20 years. He's like, exactly. Take it from someone who knows. He did field artillery and he was a first sergeant. So obviously he was, he did grunt work type stuff, you know, out out in field. And then he also did the admin side with the, you know, dealing with the soldiers problems and everything as a first sergeant. I do remember he was telling me about, you know, his time as a first sergeant was both his worst and his best time in the, in the service. Uh, so, which kind of made me curious as to if I wanted to be a first sergeant. But then I went to Goodfellow to be an instructor, and I just kind of did a lot of first sergeant type stuff. And I was like, nah, I'm good. So <laughs> I got my I got my feel for that. Do you have a plan of staying in for 20 years, or are you just riding? I'm kind of um, testing it, seeing yeah. if I like wanted to do this. I mean, everyone's school when they first come in is the 20 years, you know, but. Um, it's more of experience. My experience has always been good, so we'll just see um, how I feel about it. I definitely want to. It's definitely a goal of mine. Um, but, you know, life changes. It does. So you can't really keep a promise on something like that. Yeah, it's true. It's always good to stay open to, mm-hmm. right? Never Always keep an open mind. I, I have I have real issues when they're like, nope, this is my plan. It's like, cool. Mike Tyson said everyone's got a plan to get punched <laughs> in the face, so... Or mouth. I don't remember what, what he said. But still, uh, I know that you know having a plan is good, but being rigid to that plan is probably not a good idea. Mm-hmm. So I've got a few random questions for you, trying to get a sense of who you are as a human being, as a person. Uh, we will start off with one that I like a lot, and it's what do you do to make the world a better place? Ooh. Huh. Maybe that's an assumption. Do you do things that make the world a better place? <laughs> Recycle. <laughs> there you go. All right. Um, back in Washington, um, I used to volunteer. Mm-hmm. Um, I helped uh, coach basketball because basketball is my passion. Yeah. Uh, still is. Love it. And then I also um, volunteered to be a club for a um, low poverty like middle school. Okay. Um, those the girls were so happy and genuine that like because me and my sister both did it. Okay. Um, my sister volunteered for a year for um, AmeriCorps. Okay. So um, she kind of guided me to be a volunteer for clubs, and I absolutely loved it. Um, I wish I did more of it. Yeah. In the military, they're like, well, you need to volunteer more or something to that effect. I always, when people tell me that I need to volunteer, I don't want to volunteer. Mm-hmm. So I totally understand. I get the the little rebel that you, uh, that you like to be with your parents as well. <laughs> so for basketball why is basketball your passion i mean no one can see you right now if they could they'd probably be like she's like five two i get that a lot so um starting basketball in second grade okay always the shortest you know um and then i started it up in junior high so i went from elementary to high school to college um and High school is when I started doing, like, select club basketball. So I'd travel and get noticed by college scouts and everything like that. Um, And then I had offers to go, like, out of state to four years and all of that. To go to Canada, too. That's cool. Um, But I wasn't ready to leave home. So I just stayed at a little community college close to home. But I loved the coach there. I loved uh, my teammates there. And then 
I had, after my two years of that college, I had offers to go and continue, but I just wasn't feeling uh, school anymore. Uh, so I took a break from that, and then that's when I decided to join the military. Okay. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't play basketball. <laughs> I'm horrible at it, which I thought I would be really good at because it, like I understand physics. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, just because <laughs> I understand it does not mean I can I can put it into practice and application. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't. Uh, basketball is one of those sports that I would just rather watch than play. I absolutely love basketball. I was yeah. a very um, in high school. It was uh, school and sports. So okay. I was a all year round sports athlete in high school as well as select ball. Mm-hmm. So I'd be in the fall, I'd be doing my select ball and high school volleyball. And then basketball season would come, so select ball would stop. And then once that would end, I would do track and select ball. And then summer was basketball yeah. all year round. So, What was your event in track? Um, I did high hurdles, low hurdles, and then I did a four. Well, it would always change between like the four by four relay or any relay in yeah. general. I always got stuck with the 4 by 4 though. Mm. I didn't mind the 4 by 4 I really liked the 4 by 8 mm-hmm. I liked the 800 because I, I felt like it was the worst event because it's, it's practically a sprint for two laps. Mm-hmm. So the mile, you're not really sprinting the whole time, depending on who you are, I guess. But the, the 800 was always, it felt to me like it was the most painful. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't fast enough to do, in my school, <laughs> we had... 212 people on our track team mm. in high school and the yeah the 400 all this we'd put the soccer players and the football players on the the 400 because they were always the sprinters and just mm-hmm. they could just fly especially one dude named jeremy it's like a gazelle it was weird and he had these like really long legs and he kind of like when he was sprinting he would do like a split in midair and that would be his stride like I, I don't even know. I couldn't measure that, but it's probably like eighteen feet per stride. I was like, it was ridiculous. So, oh, I hated the four by four. I also <laughs> hated the low hurdles because it was a three hundred. Yep. And, um, I hate running. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but I was very, I was good at it. It was just very boring for me. Yeah. Because I mean, high hurdles are three hundred as well, right? Three thirty. High hurdles are one hundred. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And then the low hurdles are 300. Mm. So you want to be done with the hurdles. Mm-hmm. You just want to be done with the run. Mm-hmm. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you. What about, uh, do, you, do you watch a lot of movies? Yes. What movie can you watch over and over without getting tired of? Oh, huh, that's a tough one. Um, Probably, that's a, oh, I'm a big horror movie person so probably like the conjuring okay um probably i like watching that a lot or like one of the saw movies only because it's very intriguing on how everything came to be and the traps and everything i'm just a very big horror movie fan i mean i love romance too and everything but horror movies are my favorite thing yeah Mm. I will say that when Saw came out, I think it was so shocking because people were so probably impressed mm-hmm. with the with the amount of like thought that went into those types of you know the situations that the people were put in, mm-hmm. and then you know like half they're they're also kind of freaked out like these people are are sick, <laughs> like yeah. this is diabolical. But it was also like this is really cool. It's so crazy. I can understand. Just yeah, seeing the traps and then like at the end how like. 
the person that was doing it, how it happened. Right. Like what led him to that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So horror movies. So this kind of goes in line with that. In the past, people were buried with the items they would need in the afterlife. What would you want to be buried with so that you could use it in the afterlife? Uh, ooh. Man. That's a hard one. Probably. I do not think you'll have cell reception. I'm going <laughs> to let you know right now. So if it's your cell phone... I don't know how old you are. I didn't ask that, obviously, because we don't we don't ask that of, <laughs> of female guests. So I'm not sure if you are like, um, let's go with what people think of a typical millennial uh, and, uh, you know, completely attached to your cell phone or it's attached to you at all times. So I don't know if that was maybe that was a bad assumption on my part. <laughs> it's OK. Um, no, I mean, I've been more like. Don't get me wrong. I love my phone because, I mean, I can watch movies and all of that. But um, probably for the afterlife, probably like a hammock because I love hammocking. Um, probably my basketball shoes. You know, you got to be ready to hoop anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and um, hmm, I don't know. I mean, it's not an item. I'd probably say my dog, though. Hey, that's fine. <laughs> Hopefully the dog passes before you do, because if you're buried with him. Or passes at the same time. There you go. I mean, mm-hmm. that'd be very odd. <laughs> Hopefully it wasn't an accident or something, but I can see that. Let's go with died at the same time, buried at the same time. Yes. Okay, that's good. Let's not do like pet cemetery. Oh, no. Type. No. Like passed away, went to pet cemetery. No. Okay. Definitely not. So... <laughs> Which celebrity do you think is the most down to earth? Oh, man. I was just talking to my sister about this. I know. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> um, who were we talking about? Oh, who was it? Oh, this is going to make me go crazy. What movie was this person in? Um, oh, I can't even remember. It was... Hmm. I can't even remember, but... Oh, man, this is going to make me go crazy. Was it male or female? Male. Keanu Reeves? No. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. He's the he's the first person I think of whenever I think of, like, a, a celebrity that's down to earth. Mm-hmm. Like, he still rides a subway. He still, I mean, he gives away a majority of his money mm-hmm. um, to charities and stuff like that. But he, what works with. He's also a very amazing actor, too. Yeah. So I could see that. Um, I can't remember who it was, but... They're just super genuine. I mean, you know, like those crazy fans, because like we used to like we used to watch YouTube all a lot. Yeah. Um, all the crazy fans. Um, this uh, celebrity would remember them because they'd pop up whenever because it'd be like following him. Yeah. It always he would always remember them, and it was just super nice and genuine. And um, I don't remember who it was, but I like celebrities that always donates money and everything like that. Yeah. Um, Keanu Reeves is definitely a big, huge example. Yeah. Um, not many um, celebrities, and that makes me very upset about it, aren't like that. I think a lot of them might be, and you just wouldn't know it. Mm-hmm. So I do know that, I guess, Jeff Bezos, is, you know, the leader of Amazon or the CEO of Amazon, it, there was a news article recently that said something along the lines of he's like in on track to be the first trillionaire in the world. Yes. Someone came out and said like the fact that we have the ability to become a trillionaire, 
like shows the issues with the world, mm-hmm. right? And that there's no reason, like no one needs even a billion dollars to live. Mm-hmm. So the fact that you have almost, you know, a thousand times that a- as your worth, mm-hmm. I think that there are a lot of situations where we wouldn't know. I mean, I think we're starting to see it a little bit more now that everyone's got a cell phone and, and a camera attached to mm-hmm. them. But I know that like Justin, uh, Justin Timberlake and Justin Bieber, a lot of the Marvel cast, mm-hmm. they always, you know, they get dressed up or they go and see people in hospitals and things like yes. that. And a lot of people, a lot of times they, you know, they ask like, hey, this, this isn't for social media. This isn't for anything else. This is just, you know, me and a fan or me and someone who who needs a smile mm-hmm. or something to that effect. So I think that might actually happen a little bit more than we know. It's just I, more of a hidden kind of yeah. thing. They would rather see like all the bad things that happen with the celebrities and right. all the good stuff. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, that's what sells clicks and yep. things like that. So, which is, let, let's go with another issue that we have in society right now. I would like to hope that it happens a lot more than I know mm-hmm. or that I see. Uh, but I also, I don't live in the news and I don't, you know, study pop culture or things mm-hmm. like that. So I wouldn't know a lot of that. So I hope it happens a lot more than I, than I would think. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about annoying animals? You have a dog. All right. But <laughs> if animals could talk, obviously you'd probably want to talk to your dog and you want your dog to talk back. Maybe. I don't know what type of dog you have. So I have a Shepsky. So German Shepherd Husky. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I imagine him to have he's a boy correct she she uh, see assumption <laughs> so i assume that she has a very sweet maybe like a northern accent because german shepherd husky i don't know why that's just first thing about to my head but if animals could talk who do you think would be the n- most annoying to talk to or have the most annoying voice guinea pigs Okay. Why guinea pigs? Um, because... You think they sound a little squeaky and everything? Yes. Yeah. And um, I don't know. I feel like whenever I see a guinea pig, they're always like, not sk- no, skittish. They're yeah. Like, they're always scared of everything. And I feel like they'd be talking to themselves because of like how stress and like the anxiety that they would be having with their little high-pitched voice. They do look stressed. Yes. Yeah. But do you think that's because that's, you know, your size versus theirs? You even, I, I have no idea how tall you are. I said five foot two earlier, but let's go with, you know, five foot two. If you're five foot two and they are just two, that's like 60 <laughs> inches, 62 inches above, oh, just 60. Yeah, I don't mm-hmm. do math. But still, like that's 60 inches towering above them. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't know. I'm also like thinking of like the big animals, like giraffes wouldn't be because they're just kind of kind of do their own thing yeah same with like hippos Um, yeah are you thinking madagascar right now Mm -hmm. yeah me too like all of them they all seem pretty chill but then i don't really see very many like skittish like high anxiety like big animals probably because they're all big and that's true small yeah um so i'd probably have to go with like the little small like guinea pigs and hamsters and stuff yeah i can see sea turtles being super chill Mm-hmm. Like not even because of like finding Nemo or anything, <laughs> but they just you know even whenever they're on land and they're and they're you know flopping back to the to the ocean, they're not like you know mm-hmm. freaking out and things like that. They're just you know nice and calm and moving. Sl- I don't know. I I don't know what the they're not walking. They are paddling back to the ocean. I I don't really know how to. I don't know what that <laughs> verb is actually, but I could see them being pretty chill and manatees. 
manatees would probably mm-hmm. be really chill because they just, I mean, all they do is eat eat some plants and flip around. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Are there any languages that you'd like to learn? Um, definitely. I would like to learn. So my dad's Filipino. Okay. And my mom is Guamanian. Okay. So I'd like to learn their languages, Tagalog and Chamorro. Yeah. Um, I guess my mom tried teaching me when I was younger, Chamorro, but I was uh, too stubborn to learn. So. You've already explained that you're a rebel to your parents? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if so. they said, hey, you shouldn't learn this, you're going to be like, no, I'm going to learn this. <laughs> but if your parents are listening to this, you need to let them know. It's like, you messed up. <laughs> but I definitely want to learn those. Um, Spanish, I feel like it'd always be good to know Spanish. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Spanish is, it seems really easy. It's really hard. It is very hard. There's, there's like 27 countries that speak Spanish Mm -hmm. and each one of them has their own dialect and slang and everything. So one of the toughest schools at Goodfellow is the Spanish course. And you wouldn't think so, but you have a lot of native speakers that are going through the course. But then they get in there and there's, you know, Panamanian slang or, you know, Colombian slang or, you know, like cover terms that they use like turtle in, in the in the in place of tank and it goes extremely fast. There's a lot that fail out because of that. It's very difficult. I think that Spanish is seems really easy, mm-hmm. especially I, I grew up in Florida and I I could have full conversations in Spanish with mm-hmm. friends that I'd learned Korean and lost every bit of Spanish. Uh, including like the ability to count to 10 at one point that was really rough. <laughs> Spanish is always good. I, I agree. The 65% of the United States is able to speak or understand Spanish. Mm-hmm. So um, if you wanted to stay in the States, that's always going to be good. And a Latin based language, you've got, you know, uh, Portuguese, Spanish, French, all of those in uh, Basque, Basque, Basque. Basque. It's like a type of French as well. Oh. Northern, North, North, northeast side of it so they've got their own language and uh latin derived languages um learning those i think would help you in a lot of different areas Mm -hmm. so i agree with you on that tagalog there's a few different uh, dialects of that Mm -hmm. i think there's like six or four primary something like that when you go to the philippines it sounds really nice but then when you hear certain individuals like speaking it like in korea there's a whole bunch of uh a whole bunch of young filipino women who were like yelling at each other a lot mm-hmm. and it sounded like ducks quacking and I was just like that is not an attractive one like I've been to the Philippines and it sounded really nice I don't know obviously you know they, they could have been the Fran Dreschers of the Philippines I had no idea so uh do you read a lot uh here and there yeah do you mm-hmm. prefer fiction non-fiction are you a self-help kind of girl mm-hmm. are you uh so there was this book that I read what is it called i think it's like called um a man and a dog's journey or something like that it was okay. about um a man that was in the military um but then he started a journey with his dog that was sick okay um, i absolutely loved it yeah. it was a good book um cried a few times in it yeah so it's nonfiction. it was mm-hmm. about a true story that's good so i like those um i also like fiction Anything. It's really hard for me to get in a book, though. Like, um, I always have to read, like, the first few pages to see how I feel about it. Yeah. Like, it took me a while to start Harry Potter. Yeah. 
Um, but I, I got to it, so. Yeah. Did you go through all of the Harry Potter books? <laughs> no. Okay. Not all of them. Not when they started popping out videos or mm-hmm. movies about you. are just like, all right, whatever. I'll go pick the movies instead. Yeah. I did try. I When Harry Potter came out, I was at DLI. And so I, instead of reading, it might have came out before that. I'm not sure. But I do remember I hadn't read them yet. Mm-hmm. So I thought that I would try reading Harry Potter in Korean. It was a horrible idea. <laughs> Um, I think I, I was I was reading through, and obviously I I, I didn't really know Korean yet, um, so it, it was very time consuming and difficult. I spent about fifteen minutes trying to figure out what Hermione was, because that was not in any Korean dictionary. <laughs> I asked other Korean teachers, and there all of them were um, none of them either had kids or had you know had read Harry Potter or anything like that. But normally at the end of a name. It has, you know, uh, the syllable she, so it lets you know it's a Mr. or a Miss, you know, kind of mm-hmm. like in Japanese they say San, assuming Chinese has this has a similar uh, situation. But I, it didn't have she at the end of it, and I could not figure out. I was like, maybe this is, all right, what's the, try to figure out if it's a, it's a verb, it's a conjugated <laughs> verb that's got some random, like, ending that I haven't seen yet. Thankfully, one of the, one of the teachers, her daughter, uh, I taught martial arts to down, downtown, I saw her daughter was reading Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. And so I asked, or I picked up the book and I was looking and I, I realized that it was a girl's name. And I was like, I asked teachers like, is this, this right here? Is that a, she's like, yeah, that's English. I was like, that's not English. Well, I mean, it, it might be English, but I've never heard of that name. Like I've never, Hermione, uh, maybe it's a common name in England. I have no idea. <laughs> I'll have to ask a British person. So I read the first three books of Harry Potter in Korean first. And then I read them in English. It was like, this is not what I thought was happening at all. <laughs> and the movies came out and just like, did I not read those books? Like, I don't remember that. So it is very interesting. If there's a video or if there's a movie on it, do you just prefer to watch the movie? Definitely. But then I hear like there's some stuff in the books that aren't in the movies. Yeah. And that intrigues me to watch, to read the books. Yeah. And then I like to rewatch the movies just to compare. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like watching movies as well. I try to take in as much information as possible, whether it's good or bad, you know, applicable to life or not. So it's really easy to go through an hour and a half movie or two hour movie versus reading a book. But mm-hmm. there are a lot of times where the book uh, gives you so much more because your brain can build a completely different, you know, visual mm-hmm. of, of what you see. So some people like doing that as well. Other people just prefer the book because it's so much more vivid in their mind. Mm-hmm. And then a, a movie, they're just like, well, this, that was crap. Like, why would you even think that's the way it should look? Things like that. So um, I, I can see that. that. Do you Google a lot? Yes. What did, what's the last thing you Googled? Um, the last thing I Googled, what was the last thing? If it's inappropriate, we can cut it out. No, it's definitely <laughs> not inappropriate. It was something, I think it was something about, it was about a movie. Because we were watching it. Um, no, it was a TV show. So there's this TV show on uh, Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, it came out recently. It's called like Winks and it's like a saga. And I was like, that name sounds really familiar. So I Googled up Winks and it was actually like a childhood show that I used to watch. Winks? But they made, mm-hmm. It's like about fairies. <laughs> okay. But I was like, the name sounded familiar, so I Googled it, and it was actually, like, a cartoon that I used to watch as a kid. Oh. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Is it safe for a seven-year-old, the show on Netflix? Uh, no, it's kind of, sort of. 
Okay. Uh, probably my, wouldn't. I'd my probably youngest daughter loves fairies. So, really? Yeah. I'd probably steer her towards a cartoon more okay. than the actual show. All right. I'll see if Winks, the cartoon, is available. <laughs> Different uh, type of question, more internal to you. What do you think, uh, or let's say, what goal do you think humanity is not focused on enough? Hmm. You said you recycle. Do you think humanity recycles enough? No. I don't think so either, but I also think that recycling is now more financially driven. Mm-hmm. So like a Goodfellow Air Force Base where I was an instructor at, because it's in the middle of West Texas, they stopped doing any type of recycling unless it's for heavy metals because they get more money for heavy metals mm-hmm. and they don't they don't make any profit off of recycling glass or plastics and things like that. I didn't think that was the point, but I... It's it blows my mind on how many like a lot of people say like um, money doesn't buy you happiness. But with the world going on, it's like they will do anything for money, like anything about life is all about money and everything like that. And I feel like that's definitely not true. And I feel like um, I mean, as a kid growing up, I used to play outside like we didn't care for money whatsoever, like. 50 cents probably to get the ice cream truck. Right. Other than that, like, we'd be outside creating, like, our own world to play and everything like that. But now with, like, kids these days, it's more driven inside also because of COVID and everything like that, too. So I just don't think um, the world is how it was when I was little. And it's definitely changed in the matter of what drives, like, what can we do to get kids to buy this for, like, their parents to buy it for their kids and it's more of like game systems and yeah all of that sorts so i think it's just more of like a money situation with the economy and the world i wish that we did not have to care about money in the world like that yeah so is there something better we should be focusing on as as a species um health health yes like in all aspects um more of i mean Yes, I know that like COVID has been like the biggest health concern right now. Many have had worse experiences than others. Many have passed from it. Yeah. Um, and I just don't think that like us as a world is necessarily caring for that because not many people had the worst experience than others, so they don't really take it as seriously. Yeah. Um, so I think we could be doing better in like caring for one another because I feel like everyone's very self-driven. Like, they don't really care about anyone else but themselves or, like, their friends or their loved ones. But I feel like we should be caring as a whole about everyone. So. Yeah. Yeah, it is It is kind of, let's go with sad, because it's not funny at all. No. Uh, it, it's sad that people don't care about something until it affects them. Mm-hmm. And even if it affects them personally or it affects someone they care for, they don't care about it. Mm-hmm. So I, I know I, I have a... A few friends who did not really care about COVID or anything like that. Or there's a lot of people who have different opinions on the transgenders in the military, things like that. There was I was talking with my wife last night about one of the people that I had to deal with in tech school who did not believe that women should be in the military. And he was yelling at a, a female airman because she missed class because she was on quarters Mm -hmm. and uh, he wasn't made aware of why she missed class. Uh, But he 
began yelling at her and like shouting as to, you know, this is why women shouldn't be in the military and things like that. And thankfully, he was removed from the Air Force. He's not a lone wolf in the situation. There are there are people who even probably today, unfortunately, that, that still think that way. And it's it's kind of shocking to me. I have to try to take a you know, step back and try to figure out. You know, why does this person feel this way, regardless if I agree with it or not? Uh, why would someone think that way? Uh, and I can't put myself in their position to where I could make myself like kind of see their side because I've never I've never really had a conversation with someone who does feel like that. Hopefully they're not in the military if I do have a conversation <laughs> with them. And it'd be very difficult for me to to sit here, uh, especially depending on their rank. Right. As, a, as an A1C, you affect well, you affect everyone's EPRs and all of their personnel issues mm-hmm. that people come up with. And you see every single individual in both your squadron and the group. And if you felt that a certain individual shouldn't be in the military, let's say let's say our roles were reversed and I was in the CSS. And as a master sergeant, you, let's say I had a female airman working for me, would you, as a female, be able to trust someone like me if I was the type that didn't believe that you should be even in the same uniform as me? Like, that'd be very difficult. Mm-hmm. And I kind of, I don't want to be so closed off and think that that doesn't exist. Just because I don't think that way does not mean that there isn't there isn't a master sergeant male out there who thinks that way. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That kind of that kind of bothers me. And I, I think that we don't have enough conversations with people to, to really fully understand where people are coming from. Mm-hmm. I have no idea how we got on that tangent. I'll be honest with you. Because I think that us, like the economy and the world as a whole, should be caring about others yeah. more than themselves. I'll go with that. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, l- I'll ask one more question before I let you go here. And I did not ask your age. Are you at least 21? I am 22. Okay, you're 22. <laughs> All right, so that's good. Currently, you do not uh, imbibe alcohol Mm-mm. because of your medical condition. Sir. Yeah, that's good. Do you drink alcohol? Yes. Okay. Uh, when you're not yes. <laughs> uh, eating for two. You mentioned ice cream truck earlier, you know, with the, like 50 mm-hmm. cents, where 50 cents actually bought an ice cream back in the day. Now it's like three fifty it's like, for an ice cream sandwich. I was like, are you in, serious? Like, the ice cream trucks. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So <laughs> in your mind, what would the adult version of an ice cream truck sell, and what song would it play? Ooh. Um, hmm. An adult version would probably be like, hmm, I'm thinking because there's going to be a lot of like grabbing stuff that needs to be like wrapped and everything. I'm thinking like jello shots. That's what I'm thinking. All right. Because it's more of an adult thing. Because um, I mean, if you do like regular shots, that's just a lot more work. And if it's in a, like a truck, you're kind of wanting to grab and go. Yeah. Um, I mean, shots are pretty grab and go. Mm-hmm. Unless it's not already pre poured. Poured. Yeah. Then it would take some more time. So I'm thinking like jello shots are easy. They're easy to grab and go. What song would it play? Probably shots by Lil Wayne. Yeah. Or Lil John. Lil John. Is it Lil John? Mm-hmm. Not Lil Wayne. It's <laughs> Lil not Lil John. Wayne. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Just the the voice is not does not <laughs> no. match Lil Wayne. Yeah. I think I had an answer to this a few interviews ago, and I, it's still it's still my go-to. It's going to be tacos and margaritas. Ooh, that'd and, be yummy. And they would play the song Tequila. You know, like, 
Yeah, exactly. So uh, I think that would be my go-to. I try to think of something different. I don't think I would want anything Mm -hmm. different. Like if there's a margarita and taco truck driving through the neighborhood. I would go. Yeah, I would chase that beast down. Hmm. See, that's when when you enjoy running. Yes. Whenever it's to get margaritas at the end of it. That's a pretty smart idea. Right? I know. I don't plan on doing something like that after I get out of the military. I can retire <laughs> in a couple of years, but I'm not opposed to that. Obviously, mm-hmm. you know, business partner with the wife, because I'm not allowed to make margaritas for her because apparently I, I'm a little heavy on the hand with pouring. But aren't those like the greatest? I think so. <laughs> so I, I did, I've made a few people sick, so, because uh, it's too strong. Mm-hmm. But I'm a Korean linguist and I spent five years in Korea, so. Mm-hmm. Heavy-handed, you know, situations are kind of kind of our thing. So, <laughs> all right. Well, I want to thank you for obviously agreeing to the interview, whether you knew what you were going to be here for or not. Uh, is there anything that you'd like to say to your flight or squadron or group leadership? I mean, anything that you you have some parting shots for them? Um, for the squadron and for the group in general as a whole. Thank you for uh, being patient with me and for letting me help you and for the CSS and the flight leadership. Thank you for taking me under your wing and teaching me everything that I have learned so far and to for continuing to teach me everything that I will need to know to move on. All right. Well, thank you for being here, and I hope you have a great day. Thank you. You too, sir. <laughs> That was a conversation with Libby Borgonia from the 392nd Intelligence Squadron's Commander Support Staff. She was nominated for Bragging on My Airmen by her flight chief, Mass Sergeant Glenn Giron, who has recently taken the reins in the Commander Support Staff and quickly recognized the amazing job that A1C Borgonia was doing and the active role she was taking in learning all aspects of her job and the additional roles that our personnelists are starting to bear. A recurring theme you may hear from Libby is her respect for genuine people, something we should all strive to be more of, for ourselves and the world around us. If you have any ideas, recommendations for future podcast shows or guests that you'd like to hear from, let us know by going to any of the socially acceptable means of communication and leave us a comment. Facebook URL is facebook.com forward slash group forward slash 692D podcast. The email is simply 692D podcast at gmail.com. And you can always leave us a message on the Mattermost channel. If you can't get to any of those, send me an email at derek.addison at us.af.mil and I'll respond as soon as possible. That's the show for today. So for now, aloha, take care of yourself. And if you can, take care of someone else too.